I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome to this Thursday episode of Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. Uh, because you asked, yeah, it's episode number 259. Yeah, for the 259th time, you and I have gotten together here to spend a few hours chatting about the world around us and how it goes turning round, round, round and impacting our lives. We are entering an interesting phase right now of, well, history. We are now with a week of unprecedented events unfolding, we are now at the stage where we take a step back, we assess what's going on around us, and we start conversations. We try to break down and now reflect and look at what exactly is happening around us, what it means to us, and how it will influence the path we choose to follow marching forward. And those conversations are not easy. I'll admit that I am having a hard time really understanding where to focus, where to uh, where to be upset, where to let things slide, and I don't quite have it all sorted out. On the program today, uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to do a few uh, fascinating things. Well, I find them fascinating, and I'm confident you will as well. There are two, there are two arenas where I think these conversations are the most important. Uh, the first, first and foremost, is in our own homes. First and foremost is what are the discussions like in the evenings when we're all home and together and if we're lucky enough lucky enough to gather around the same kitchen table for dinner uh, that's where many of these conversations are playing out conversations about the imagery coming from last week's attack on the capitol building conversations about the now twice impeached president of the united states some of those conversations are very difficult because you know, for 99% of uh, Donald Trump's presidency, there's a good chance uh, that many of you listening were very much uh, excited by many of his policies, while at the same time uh, being very much disturbed by his uh, personality and tone of voice and way of carrying himself and speaking to and about others. How do you sort that all out? On the program today, we're going to have an opportunity to speak with some folks who have dedicated their lives uh, to, to making sure that those conversations uh, are done, are carried out in a healthy way. Also, in another arena, the schools. There are students across this great state uh, reporting to class today, either online or in person. And in those classrooms, either virtually or in real life, there are likely to be conversations with teachers about what has taken place over the past week and what it means going forward. What's the best way for teachers to handle that situation? What's the best way to inform their students uh, and to talk about and make sense of uh, what has gone on? I know there is, uh, there's much sensitivity when it comes to politics in the classroom, and I agree uh, that we ought not teach politics or political ideologies uh, necessarily in the classroom. Or rather, we shouldn't, as teachers, try to convert uh, young students to any one uh, political ideology. And so it's a tricky conversation to have. We'll speak with Elizabeth Waite, a Utah State representative, and 
for some 30 years, junior and high school, junior and high school teacher. She'll share with us some of what she learned during her career and how she would apply it to today. Uh, for the next few minutes, though, I want to talk to you about uh, one of the more recent developments in the saga which has played out. You you know very well that President Trump has been deplatformed, they call it, from many social media uh, platforms uh, around the globe. Twitter, uh, most notably. He with his, was it 82 million, 83 million? Some, some gigantic number. I think he was the sixth most followed individual on Twitter. Uh, and following, you know, an analysis and a decision made by Twitter, uh, there he is off the platform. And same for Facebook and Instagram, and there's a long list, and we've discussed it in the past. And so how does the president go about uh, communicating? Well, he has mainstream media, certainly. He can reach out to any of the uh, broadcast networks and say, hey, I've got a message I'd like to share. Uh, Or one of his last remaining outlets is through the official channels uh, afforded to the White House, specifically the White House Twitter account as well as White House YouTube. Just yesterday, uh, only a few short hours after the House of Representatives uh, voted to impeach President Trump for the second time, he posted a approximately five-minute video, a five-minute video where he talked about a number of things. I want to share some of what he said uh, just yesterday and ask you if it is enough and if it is appropriate and ask you how you react Uh, based on uh, what has transpired over the past week and what is coming up in the week ahead, the inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden. So let's walk through just a few uh, clips from what the president had to say. I also have some observations I'd like to make. You know what? Let me share those observations with you now. They might sound petty, and I assure you that I don't point these things out to be petty. But in a prior life, I was the director of communications in a congressional office, and these are the types of details that I was tasked with paying attention to, details which I think have been ignored and may be an indication of really the work that's not getting done in the White House right now in this remaining week. We've heard accounts of uh, cabinet members and now Hope Hicks, the most recent uh, staffer, to to leave. There are some things uh, that I noticed in this video that tell me that maybe, maybe it's really just the, the most bare-bones skeleton of crews left uh, functioning in the White House. Three observations I'd point out. Number one, if you were to watch this video, you might notice that the president is off-center. It's filmed apparently in the Oval Office with the president sitting behind the Resolute desk, and they do not have him positioned in the center of the frame. I, I know that's a near-meaningless observation, but it's details like that which... Earlier in the president's administration, and certainly in past administrations, a detail which was watched very, very closely. There was a very precise place on the ground for the camera to be positioned to get that framing exactly right. It appears that that protocol is being either forgotten or abandoned now. Uh, Number two, the audio. If you listen, and, uh, and I'll try to squeeze some of these clips in here. If not, we'll get to it in the next segment. Uh, but if you'll listen, you'll hear that the quality of the audio, there's an echo to it. Now, why is that? If you're watching the video, you'll notice that on the lapel of the president, both left and right, where typically you may see uh, one of those lapel mics, well, that's not there telling me that uh, whoever, for the duration of the president's administration, was in charge of that task. He's also either gone or has forgotten. 
or in haste uh, simply overlooked it, and they instead are relying on uh, the audio capturing functionality of uh, the camera or maybe even a cell phone used to record the video. And third, and most importantly, there is a substantial misspeak in the president's address. It is very clearly a scripted address. You know, we've come to learn over these past four years uh, the, the difference in the tone of voice and in the delivery when President Trump is reading from a teleprompter, prepared remarks, or when he's off the cuff. Uh, this five minutes was a prepared address, and there is a significant misspeak that if taken at face value and literally, and if you, if you don't believe it was a misspeak, then it changes the nature of the entire address. Oh, shoot. I've run out of time. I'll tell you what. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, I'm going to play for you some of those segments, and in particular, the misspeak, which is important, very important, because attention to detail matters. And this detail was overlooked along with those others that I mentioned. Quick break. Back with more on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. You heard in Maria's report just there in the three things that the Utah State Legislature will be handled a little bit differently this year. I, if I could just say real quickly, I, I hope I hope that doesn't become the norm in years going forward. I understand the necessity of it this year with the ongoing threat posed by COVID-19. I understand that there are certain security concerns as well, but I hope that we are able to get all of those concerns uh, and precautions uh, behind us. Why? Well, because I have in a number of capacities spent a good deal of time up on Utah's Capitol Hill during the legislative session, really in in three capacities. Number one, uh, during the 2010 session, I was an intern up there. It was a beautiful experience. What I learned about state government was incredible. Listen, if you have a child or a grandchild, invite them to seek out an opportunity to serve as an intern in the Utah State Legislature. It is an education that they can get nowhere else and a window into how this state is run. And more than that, you get a glimpse at the personalities of those lawmakers who have been elected to serve. And they are big personalities, and they are powerful, and they are dedicated. For them. Forget politics. You know, I've gotten to know uh, folks on all sides of the aisle, and the overwhelming majority of them are earnest folks who are dedicated to the responsibilities entrusted in them uh, by voters. And an internship up there uh, gives you a front row seat. I've also, as a member of the media, spent a good deal of time up there in the gallery. They have a, a cordoned off portion of the gallery seating for members of the media. There's some desks to work on. and You look down upon, at least on the House side, you look down upon the various elected members, seeing what they're doing, seeing uh, them interact with one another. And that's an important thing, too. As you see uh, and get to be more and more familiar with the various state lawmakers and how they interact with one another gives you great insight uh, into how things really run on Utah's Capitol Hill. And then the third capacity in which I have visited the uh, Capitol Hill during a legislative session was as uh, just a, a member of the general public. Without uh, objection, without uh, uh, or objective rather, uh, without an assignment, I was simply there as an observer. And that itself is a beautiful experience. And while we will have, as you heard President Adams describe in the newscast, we will have access to the goings on up there. As I've repeated over and over this past year, uh, you can't replace uh, face to face in person interactions. Anyway, so that's just my my musings. My thoughts uh, on what I hope to be a future that returns to some semblance of normalcy 
allowing real in-person work to take place and observation at Utah's Capitol Hill. Okay, uh, sorry for that tangent. Let's get back on track. We were talking before the break about President Donald Trump's address that he delivered via recorded video message and posted to the White House YouTube account. It came uh, shortly after, I think it was maybe an hour and a half or so, after the House of Representatives voted to impeach him for the second time. He delivered that message via video. I'm going to play for you a number of clips from this. I won't play the full thing. It's five minutes long, and we don't exactly have that much time. But I want you to hear some of the highlights from the message. I will point out, though, that there is no mention in the five-plus minutes of video message recorded by the president. There is no mention of the impeachment uh, which took place just moments before the publication of this video. Anyway, I want you to hear what the president had to say. We'll pause towards the end. There's a misspeak that's important that I want to share with you uh, as it, I think, indicates pretty much a wholesale departure on the part of White House staff. This is a detail that a staffer uh, should be assigned to listening for. Uh, There is a misspeak that if you took the text of what the president says has a wholly different meaning than what I believe he intended to say. We'll get to that in just a second. But first, uh, during the president's address, he sent a message out to the American people uh, and started in just this way. My fellow Americans, I want to speak to you tonight about the troubling events of the past week. As I have said, the incursion of the U.S. Capitol struck at the very heart of our republic. It angered and appalled millions of Americans across the political spectrum. I want to be very clear. I unequivocally condemn the violence that we saw last week. Violence and vandalism have absolutely no place in our country and no place in our movement. Making America great again has always been about defending the rule of law, supporting the men and women of law enforcement, and upholding our nation's most sacred traditions and values. We have been following very closely the activities of the Justice Department. In fact, it was just this morning I got my hands on a a list of those being investigated and charged with offenses. The list is long. Offenses uh, associated with the the storming of the Capitol, which took place just uh, just over a week ago. Uh, Here in that address, again, a video message posted on the White House YouTube channel it shows President Trump seated in the Oval Office behind the Resolute Desk. He talks a bit about uh, the the violence and the crimes committed and assures viewers of this video that those who participated in the attack will be punished. There is never a justification for violence. No excuses, no exceptions. America is a nation of laws. Those who engaged in the attacks last week will be brought to justice. Now, the president goes on to say something, and I'll play it without preface. I'll just play this cold, and in the middle of it, you may hear a misspeak. I want to talk to you for a moment about that, but listen to this first. Listen to what the president said and see if you can catch the misspeak. Every American deserves to have their voice heard in a respectful and peaceful way. That is your First Amendment right. But I cannot emphasize that there must be no violence, no law-breaking, and no vandalism of any kind. Did you catch that? 
the word enough was omitted. And by so omitting, I, I believe, you know, I don't have a transcript as it was intended to be delivered. Uh, but if you hear, let me play this for you again. I cannot emphasize that there must be no violence, no law-breaking, and no vandalism of any kind. You hear that? Now, I believe, I, I believe the president intended to include the word enough there. I believe that that was a condemnation of violence. I do believe that the intention was to say that there ought not be any violence in the future. But as I was back and forth talking about this with producer Amy last night, she made the great point that, yeah, this is a five-minute video plus some change, but there is really only one message that needs to be delivered, and it is that the president condemns violence, does not condone it. And in the one sentence where he had to get it right, he omitted the one word that made the message clear. That's an unfortunate thing. And now, I told you before the commercial break that I I used to work as uh, a congressional aide, specifically uh, as a director of communications for a member of Congress. Rob Bishop was my boss. And I can't tell you how many times I was in exactly the situation as the person I believe was stand, who I believe was standing behind the camera filming the president. And your job is to get the framing right, get the color right, and get the lighting all right. But first and foremost, your job is to make sure that the message is communicated clearly. That as you listen to the principal, uh, you know, either a member of Congress or whatever VIP, in this case the president, as they deliver that message, they do so clearly. And if you're not dealing with live television, you have the opportunity to say, hey, uh, could we cut and go back? Well, guess what? They didn't cut and go back. Why? Well, I think it's because right now uh, there is a wholesale fleeing of talent from the White House. Hope Hicks announced her resignation yesterday. Two cabinet members, I think even much lower level staff, even those responsible for operating the camera are gone. Uh, Quick break. When we return, interesting questions are arising as to whether or not the Senate can actually proceed with its task of trying the president. To try or not to try? That's next on Live Mike. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 